Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Figueroa and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Tim. And we're glad you can join us as you're living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you're eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with those limiting beliefs. And yes, it's true. You can be more, you can do more, and you can have more. So, Tim, what's going on, man? I was doing the, as you were talking, I was doing the- (laughs) Interpretive dance. It was interpretive movement (laughs) to it. How did it, was it good? It was really good. (laughs) It was really bad good? It was really, I was inspired by it. Yeah, so- (laughs) <laughs> no one ever asked me to do any, um, yeah, that wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good. No, um, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we just had a wonderful conversation with someone and oh um, our guest today um, and been doing some really good work with our clients. Mm-hmm. It's um, just some great team and leadership stuff. And so that's been really, really fun and rewarding for me, um, even though sometimes work expands. It does. What does that mean to you? it creeps into my already marginless uh life it gets a little bigger yeah Mm -hmm. all right so hey you know what i'm gonna give you this question really quick okay i'm just gonna do it to you i'm just throwing it throwing it out there okay so is there anything it could be clothing anything old you know let's just focus on clothes or something like that that you wish would come back into fashion um like you know what I mean? Like something that just think back that maybe a little out of style. Well, probably he's way out of style, but but you just wish it would just make its way back. Is this like a, a fashion that I've experienced or it could be like anything? It could be one that you wished you would have experienced that you didn't even get to have it. It could be that. <laughs> <laughs> one of those things that cannot no. <laughs> Can you buy no when you're a kid, you know? Yeah. I really want, no. <laughs> I, so I think this would just be like fun. So I never experienced this because it's before my time, before I was born. Okay. Um, but I think like the go-go boots, I think those are so cool with the big platforms like on the front and the back. I just think they'd be fun to wear because well, pe- I'm short. Well, people wear them in the- I mean, people wear boots, but they're not really, you can just like wear those like around. Like a go-go. Yeah, you can just like wear something those you'd see like on stage, like at a concert. <laughs> yeah. So big plot, just so you could be taller. Yeah, pretty much. I literally everything I thought of was shoes. So first I was like, well, I really love my Birkenstocks, but those did come back in style, which just makes them still more expensive. Um, and then I thought of I had these really awesome Mary Jane patent leather uh, lace up shoes. They had this like huge heel on them, which was really cool. I thought when I was in high school. So, yeah, so anything that, so really shoes that are like big and chunky that you can wear, but you, they're not like the, the stiletto heels because I can't walk. Right. Just a big clunk of just. Yeah. So the front and the back both have some height. Yeah. Some height. So Mm -hmm. how you would want to be what? Six feet? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because you're, you're four foot 10. No, I mean the biggest. You're four ten, right? Yeah. I'm about that. No, I'm five, one and three quarters. So. (laughs) 
I would say something that was like could add like five to six inches of height would be awesome. Smokes. I I just think they'd be fun. Man, I hope you don't trip. (laughs) You would definitely break an ankle or something. That would be bad. Yeah, I'd have a lot further to fall. (laughs) Like, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I was thinking you would say something like parachute pants or something. No, no, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, so if it had to be something like that, I'm a big, I like to be comfortable. So I guess like not because of the way that it looks. But you know, kind of the '90s, where you wore like the big flannel shirts and like the like the baggy pants, it'd just be comfortable. Oh my! No, you because you're so SML. <laughs> like people would just think they're clothes walking around. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have a head, yeah. that's the whole thing. <laughs> you you know that that'd be the thing people think someone's just just walking around. Yeah, so the I only want... thing that would give it away to a person is your head would yeah. be there. I wouldn't want like the big poofy bangs to come back with it though. Like, oh, with some Aquanet, those... the hairspray. Did <laughs> you, you use Aquanet? No, my sister had some incredible bangs, though. She had the kind that, like, the you, curl, you curl, you curl them, them up and down. And like, you get them permed. Oh. You just permed your bangs. And then you, but then you hairspray oh, the heck you, out oh, of it. Oh, yeah. It was like the poof. It was a phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. Those Bon Jovi days. <laughs> I don't want that to come back. So our guest today, Tara Winston, um, incredible entrepreneur yeah. and um, leadership coach, team coach. She's just, she was great. She was great. And she was really just down to earth and straightforward with uh, offering some great tips and some great advice, even on how to deal things from both an organizational and personal uh perspective so she was really wonderful to have on the show and i love it that she's from she lives in chicago now which is where which is where my dad's whole side of the family is from um so yeah she was she was great offered some wonderful insights into things and was just really real yeah and she was and i love how she just got right into it Mm -hmm. she was practical uh she cuts right to it as i said in the podcast whether it's cut to the quick i like Mm -hmm. it you know there's no kind of dancing around where you're kind of like well it could be this it could be that i was like no Straightforward, because mm-hmm. she's originally from New Jersey. Yep. And just, you know, it's, it, you just get to it. Strategic thinking, mm-hmm. you know. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at Tim at UphillConversations.co or Megan at UphillConversations.co. Always remember, please, we would love it if you would go to iTunes, rate and review the show, or Stitcher. Just look up Uphill Conversations. If you get a chance, also listen to our Young Professional podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Uphill Conversations with Young Professionals or UCY. P, and we'd love for you to listen into that. And always remember that we would love it if you would connect with us and join in the conversation on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Uphill Convo. So without any further delay, let's jump into this wonderful interview and conversation with a new friend, Tara Winston. Hello, Tara, and welcome to Uphill Conversations. How are you and how are things going in your world? Oh, things are phenomenal. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Really well. Thank you. Um, we're just so glad to have you, and um, we, we're glad we could work it out because I know we had some email exchanges back and forth, and we finally got it <laughs> set up. And so we, we do have you. So why don't you, could you tell um, our listeners just a little bit about you and how you're showing up and making a difference in this world? Sure. Uh, hi, listeners. Uh, I am Tara. I am a, originally a Jersey girl, lives in Chicago, and um, I am a reformed engineer. And I always tell people that because people use, usually surprised that, that, that you can start with such a technical background and then kind of open up your universe. I think we engineers get a bad rap. But what I, what I found is, is as an engineer, I didn't really care how or why things worked. That's a huge part of, the, of that process. 
but I was fascinated about how and why people work. And that kind of led me to what I do now. And so, you know, I fundamentally believe that good people can do great things. And the work that I do, whether it's through coaching or training or, or team building, um, my job is to help knock down some of those barriers that keep good people from their rightful places of power where they can make an impact and make our world better. Wow. That's powerful. I love that. A reformed engineer. <laughs> that's that's a good way. But, and you're right, you know, because most people would never think that, you know, engineers are not known to be the ones that want to sit there and chit chat, you know, and, and really dig into people. You know, they like a project to work on and people are not a project, are they? <laughs> Well, so, now, some people are a handful. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that project. Right. No, but I also say that because I think that there, that so often we get crammed into boxes. And very early on, I was a, a girl who was good at math and science. And people said, okay, your box is an engineer. Mm. But there's all these other pieces of me that that I said, okay, well, I guess those pieces don't count. Or, or I'll do those in, in my, my free time. They'll, they'll be my fun stuff. Right. Because that that is not as valued as this other side of me. Mm. And, and, you know, and so I, I so part of it, even though it's, it's playful, is to let people know that, that you're allowed to be absolutely um, lush and rich and, and have depth and have layers and just and, and embrace all those parts of yourself. Mm. And when you and the more you do that, the happier you'll be and actually the more successful you'll be. Mm. And I I just find that so interesting. We actually recently interviewed someone else on the podcast and we dove into this whole idea of, you know, when we're growing up, so much of our lives consist of other people sort of telling us what we're good at and who we are. And we start becoming this version of, well, you are a softball player. So you play softball, you're good at softball. Or, you know, you're somebody who does theater. So you're an extrovert and you, you are this. So you become almost defined by what other people tell you who you are or how you should think or what you should be. And you end up stuck in this box. And I think that this has happened a lot, especially to the millennial and our younger generations, because we have parents who are so involved. And uh, on a podcast I listened to with you, you said people really get stuck in the identity defined by what they do. And then I think you also pair it with this idea that you get stuck in this identity of who you who you have been taught you are. So Mm -hmm. how do you work with people and what advice would you give to someone who they really are feeling this? They get to this weight of saying, man, I, 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 I'm defined so much by, by who I am in my job. And I, I have these other things in me, but I don't know how to get out of it and move beyond that. Well, you know, I I think, and and so many people will say like usually the first the first conversation when we do some coaching, they'll say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I like. You know, that's why I'm so stuck. And usually the answer is you do, but you have squashed that voice for so long that you know that it's almost like you can't hear it. It's white noise in you. And so we start start to probe the the places, the spaces, the people that make you happy, that that bring you joy. And I, I mean, all the little ones, just go out and spend time, um, if you if you love crafts, take a craft class. If you if you love sports, go to a sports bar and, and watch a game, not at home, but with some people who are as rambunctious and, and ridiculous as you are. <laughs> um, find find your tribe and just just 
live in life and remind yourself the things that make you feel good. Like no judgments, right? Because what, what we do is we say, you know what? I absolutely love football, but, but I, I'm way too old and have bad knees. I'm not going to play football. Well, okay. Of course you're not gonna play football, but if, if you allow yourself to just, just play in that space, then we can start pulling apart the pieces. What do you love about football? Is it the competition? Is it the camaraderie? Is it the energy? Maybe you want to do something that, that is, is in the football zone. And oh, by the way, do you know how many jobs, opportunities, careers are, are, are around the, the era of football? Everything from, from, um, from actually working in, in the NFL, which is a business. Oh, by the way, they employ people. Ha ha. Right. All the way down to the, to the companies that make, that make footballs down to the, to the consulting firms that consult to organizations that, that help groom the newest football players, believe it or not. You know, so you want to know how, how, how deep it goes back when I had an actual day job and I worked at PepsiCo, I did a session at a secret facility where athletes go to to get to get um, rehabbed after injuries or losing weight, and I spend time with with Olympic athletes and sports nutritionists thinking through new versions of, of kind of what Gatorade can do next. So think about how deep and how exciting that is. So if you love football, that's okay. That might be a spark. But so get so find ways to get your sparks back. Mm. Then we can start having those negotiations about. What does that mean for my life or what I want to do for my hobbies or my careers? Yeah, I love that. It's I'm, I'm a big simple things person. I'm like, mm-hmm. more can be done with tearing a piece of paper and writing a little note on it than the most elaborate <laughs> gift. You know what I mean? Like, it's simple things. Yes. And it's not the thing. It's it's everything about it. And and like what you said, like, I have a bad knee. I have one that has to be repaired again. And, I, you know, I, I did a lot of sports growing up. And, you know, and I have that that I have to – I just put it off because I just – I'm just being lazy. But um, <laughs> but I have to have it repaired. But here's the thing. I know that if there's so many other things about stuff, like you said, just go do it or be around it. And what happens is we focus on the thing that we can't do instead of the simple thing that we can do and what's nearby, what's adjacent to it. What is it about that? That's like even people can't even say what they like about someone. You know what I mean? Because they're too busy, like either I like them or I don't. Well, why don't we focus in on what it's about, right? What are the what are the other things that are there that are contributing to that? And I like how you say that. It's like like Gatorade. Like you wonder what else can they do? But Gatorade always does something else. It's one tiny little shift that can make all the difference. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's, it, and, and I would say, you don't have to commit to the shift. You just have to play with the shift. I think we also, oftentimes we say, well, I, you know, I, I don't have to commit to that. That sounds like a lot. Well, then don't commit, just play. Yeah. We get, we, we make things so, so black and white that we can't, we don't enjoy it. And so oftentimes I will tell people, um, there's a part of you Deep on the inside, then, and and it's it is our lizard brain. If you if you right. think about Seth the Godin. way our, yeah. our brains evolved, right? <laughs> our lizard brain knows things like yay, good ice cream, delicious, right? It, it's a very simple <laughs> part of our bodies. Yeah. Um, and then there's the rest of our brain that evolved to go well. Ice cream is good because it has the balance of fats and sugars, and <laughs> yeah. all that really good stuff. And and then then the other part of your brain goes, and I can't eat it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but the lizard brain goes, yummy ice cream. Um, and so oftentimes we we will say we don't know what we like, but the honest answer is the lizard part of us is very clear. We say 
football and 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 bad knee or not, Tim's lizard goes yay football <laughs> or yay basketball, whatever that sport is that you play. Right. And, and so usually, um, what that means is like we need to start trusting that part of our brain that says I like it or not. Now it doesn't mean you follow everything it tells you to do. That's how you become a caveman. But but beyond that, it, it gives you some guidance. And so um, what, one of the, the tools that I will give give to your listeners, a lot of times with my clients, I start to start them thinking about, does something feel light or dark, right? When someone says, hey, do you want to come, come to me to the Christmas caroling? You know, either something inside goes, ugh, or it goes, hey. Mm-hmm. Now, oftentimes, we then bring in the rest of our brain and we go, was it going to be cold? <laughs> you know, is it good for networking? You know, do, my voice is terrible. Yeah. And so we we then have all these debates. But what what I have found for myself, and I, and you know, I, I try this with my clients, and I, I want you to try this too. If you look back on the decisions where your final decision after all the negotiations with yourself, when it matched the yay lightness, you tend to be more happy. And when you you convince yourself to go from a ugh to like, okay, well, it'll be good for us, more times than not, at the end, you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So start, start, start listening to and paying attention to the lizard, right? Yay or ugh. And use that as a baseline to then, to then make, your, make your decisions. Again, you can always, cannot always listen to the lizard because it, you know, the, the, things can be more complex. But that will start to give you a sense for, you know, Tim, like you said, from a simple perspective, is this something that I want? Does it get me excited? Mm-hmm. Does it bring joy into my life? That's so good. And so as you're, as you're thinking through that, just that whole question of, is this something that I want? Or people who say, I'm not really sure what I want to do. And mm-hmm. it's really this thing that I feel like everyone is chasing, this idea of happiness. And how do I find more joy? And, and how, do I have, how do I create situations where I have more of that light response? So, I mean, really, it's, it's emotional, right? So it's, it's yes. that feeling that you get. But you also have to balance it with that rational side. And I think it's really good how you made that point that you do have to, sometimes you're going to have to go with the dark because otherwise you're never going to push past maybe some of those boundaries that you have or those insecurities or push through those obstacles because that's never, for the most part, those aren't going to be initially things that are going to say, man, it's going to feel really good to quit my job and struggle (laughs) and try to be an entrepreneur. Uh, So you're going to have to do that. But one thing that you said in a podcast that I found really interesting is that your own version of happy comes with compromise. So I would just love it if you could, I'm curious, if you could just share a little bit more about that idea that your own version of happy comes with compromise. Yes. Um, and, and, and it makes me the bearer of bad news, right? I feel like, you know, you, you, go, you go online, you read blogs, and there's a million people selling you um, for, ni- for $19.99 the idea that, that you can just have everything you want all the time and be happy all the time. In seven steps. Uh, <laughs> in, in seven easy steps. Yep. Um, 
<laughs> you know, and I will tell you, anybody, like, if you want to buy that before the internet, people used to call those drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. that's good. What are they? Remember the, back in the day, the snake oil salesman would pull in the magic potion oil, you know, yep. and they would have those little, and they, those guys would sell that potion and then leave town. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Nothing comes that easy, but that's okay because nothing wonderful is easy. Um. It can be simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Mm. Um, but so the reason why you're the compromise is because we all get to make decisions about what is best for me. Like I could, I could be someone um, who ultimately one day wants to be so wealthy that I have my own private island. And if you want to do that, but sure, like the world is the world is your oyster. But you can't do that on a minimum, you know, a job that pays you know minimum wage. And oh, by the way, it may require you to to take some time away from your friends because you you need to be putting that into this thing that will that will give you enough money to do it. But but that's okay, right? When everybody is out partying or sleeping and you are grinding away on it, what you have to, from a compromise perspective, is the knowledge that that this idea of of general today happiness pleasure is going to be eclipsed by the overall happiness of a life that you've built that you want. Mm-hmm. Right, so it so it the it it is a compromise in the moment, but not in the macro. And I think that's where people get get lost because the flip side is is if you do everything that always feels good, if it, and you know I'm going to be completely full of joy and happiness in this moment, but part of me has things that I want in the long term. When you get to the long term, you may not have the things that you wanted, mm. and then at that point, you actually you made an unintentional compromise on your goals because you didn't, you didn't work towards them. And so if anyone tells you that there's no compromise, what, what they're saying is that the compromise you're making is actually unintentional. And I am very, very big on the fact that any choices that you make should be choices that you may not, like no one deserves to live a life of default. Mm. Yeah. So you're kind of like stuck with it. I mean, that's, I mean, it's like if you buy a car, that's no good. I mean, instead of sitting there complaining about the fact that the car is no good, sell it. (laughs) I mean, you you know, you made the choice, right? You know what I mean? But a lot of people, what they do is they stay with it. They just stick with it. Well, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. I'll make it work. I'll make it work. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and I'm just saying, because that is the compromise part, you know, that is the part where, but I like the choices because you want to own your outcome. And you have to understand that, you, yeah, you don't want default. I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And we're so used to it now in our society. It's it's a template for everything. It's a template. Exactly. Like I'm going to do is like I, I was, you know, in the morning I open up my my um, my browser and I start to, to do some reading. And I think one, one, one of the things that came through on LinkedIn this morning was, you know, do these success factors like the Silicon Valley people do, right? Like we, we all are kind of been primed to just like, try to figure out what were the five steps that this person did and therefore I will have that too. Um, but I, I've seen the back end of that, right? And as coaches, um, I've seen way too many people in their 40s and 50s. And, and this is the conversation that we have. They say, Tara, I have a, I have a career that some people will be envious of. I have, I have more than enough money in the bank. I have a family that I love. And I'm sad to say something still feels missing. Mm. And, and, and I feel guilty because I don't even, ha- like, do I have a right to even feel this way? 
when I have so much that's going on. And that's what happens when you, when, when you don't be intentional, when you don't make compromises to, to, find your, to find the thing that makes you happy. Sometimes the default, it lands you someplace and it's great, but it still doesn't mean that that, that great place is what gives you the ultimate happiness. And so with those people, then we are, we are trying to figure out how, how to shift them into a place that will make them happier. But, you know, people, we don't, that, and that's the part that we don't talk about. Right. Very few people actually share that, that, those experiences. And so I know that, 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 that you always pay the piper yeah. on compromise. Right. It can be earlier or later. Right. It's, yeah, it's going to be paid one way or the other. Um, hey, uh, now I just want to make sure you're still, it's your interactions, right? So, yes. um, you know, your welcome video and I like how you stated, you know, interactions was born out of frustration and, and how you want to be a bridge to help people get from where they are, you know, to where um, they'd like to be. You know, our whole thing here is current condition. Your current condition does not match your emerging future. And so that's <laughs> yes. what we try to tell people. But you mentioned people need to have an understanding, to have and understand, sorry, the right strategies. And I like the ones that you listed. Um, you know, the land they're trying to conquer, playing mm-hmm. all the right games, access to the right people at the right time, and having clarity for what you want. Um, can you talk a little bit more about those? I think our listeners would enjoy your perspective on this. Definitely. So, no. Now this is where everything comes with a warning. I'm a Jersey girl. That's right? okay. So we are about strategy. <laughs> there we go. Practicality. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but what what I found is you know there are a lot of really great people that have bought into the myth that says if I work really really hard, put my head down, that I will get everything that that is deserving to me. Um, it comes you know, from from a, from a Western. If you're in the U.S., it comes from a puritanical um, background, um, legacy from our country. I've, I've seen it in in in, uh, in other cultures as well. But you know that's not true. I wish I could tell you. I, I want. I really, really want. Man, I'm full of bad news today for you guys. No, this is good <laughs> news. This is the real stuff. This is this is the this cuts to the quick. It's where it needs to be. <laughs> and that and that's why I'm so passionate about it is because we don't we don't get this growing up, right? Where someone says like, you got to figure out the game that you are playing right. and then you need to play it. And if you're not, you will be played. Like, yep. you're like you don't opt out. So many people say, well, Tara, I don't, I don't play politics. Okay. If you don't play politics in your organization and I, and I mean any organization, I'm talking about your churches, your synagogues, your companies, your nonprofits. If there are two people in the room, there's a game afoot. Mm-hmm. And you, and part of it, and I don't mean that in a nefarious way. It just means that that every organization, every structure, every every society has rules, written and unwritten, about what what is okay and what's not. Who looks like a leader? Who looks like they should be good ahead? And then you need to pay attention to that and make sure that you're giving off the right signals. And so at times, you know, I, when people say, you know, I I think I want to go to graduate school. That's great. Where are you trying to go? Who are you signaling to? There's, there's a lot of ways to get into, into anything. You know, there are a million and one ways to make money these days. There are, all, there are tons of ways to make impact. And so if you choose the way you want to make impact, then that will give you the cues on, on what type of signals you should be sending, who you should be connected with. So, so let me give you a more concrete example. 
um, <clears throat> I am working with with a with a, a pretty senior executive in the entertainment industry, and you know I know ultimately what he wants wants to do from a goal perspective. The traditional way we are taught to build our careers is okay. I'm going to take this job. I'm going to make the best of this job, and then I'm going to get the next promotion. And and they'll them the big them, whoever those people are that that determine the right promotion for me and my company, they'll tell me where to go, and I'll I'll take that promotion, and I'll keep doing that until one day I am the king of the hill. Well, that's great, and you do that, and and this particular executive got passed over for a promotion by somebody that was not even doing as as well as he was. And so we we regrouped, right? And we and we got to, got to understand who made the decisions about promotion. What do they really care about? And then, by the way, if you think they really care about everything on your job description, then you don't know people. Mm. People have their own agendas. They have things that make them look good. They have pet projects. Right. right? And, and if it weren't what for the really care about. Yeah. And if it weren't for the fact that you were there to coach this individual, that person would be left. I mean, like a shipwreck. I mean, it would just be. They'd just be down in the dumps like, I did all of this and this is what I get. You know, they and there's so many people that that's where they end up. And then they try yeah. to then they try to make sense out of the pieces of whatever they have, the fragments of stuff. Absolutely. You know, and you know, and then go on the other side, right? I had I had someone who was um set up to be a partner in a law firm, right? Everything pointed to that's where he was going, but he couldn't get it. Every year, it just wasn't ready yet. wasn't ready yet. And when I asked him, why did he think he wasn't ready? He gave me a full list of all the people that he probably did not know well enough and all the, the types of work that they need to, needed to see him do. And then when I, when I got called in by, by the people that, the, that hired me for coaching, they said, he just doesn't seem like a partner. It wasn't his work. And no one told him. And I will tell you, this happens over and over again. People work themselves into a frenzy because this will be the thing that shows them. And instead of something else. And so he, what he and I worked on was showing more power. Mm. Showing up in the space. How do, you, how do you sit in a space and look like you own the room? Mm. Little things like that. How do you interrupt in a nice way? How do you delegate? How do you be the kind of leader that is that gives your team credit, but then still shows that you have power, mm. right? Those nuances, that's the difference. But, but nine times out of 10, the people, people don't get that kind of feedback because it's hard to give. And I think so much, I mean, I think so much of that is, it centers around emotional intelligence too. So we have, you know, as kids in in our educational systems, we focus so much on, you know, what are the manners? What are the societal rules? You know, what are the things you need to know? What's the knowledge you have to have? And I mean, all the way up through college, I don't think that there is enough out there that we're teaching people how to have a higher level of emotional intelligence and and just really self-awareness. You know, we focus so much on the tangible things. I think that we forget about those intangible things that are so important. Completely. And you said something really, really important, right? So we, we don't get the EQ. And the EQ teaches us how to read the room, how, how to process what what may be the unsaid parts 
And the self-awareness allows you to say, okay, where, 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 where am I in alignment with the, these unwritten things? And where, where do, I, do, do I have some distance? And how do I cover that distance in a way that is uniquely me? I think some, some people, when they do get the EQ and they do get the, get, um, the awareness, then they say, well, I have to be someone different. And that, that's not sustainable either. And so the, so the real key is how do you take who you are uniquely and celebrate it and use your strengths and use your allies and use your resources to deliver upon what the, what your EQ is telling you the environment needs. And so I'm, I'm going to make a little bit of a shift here because I know you work a lot with individuals, but you also go in and you work with companies, uh, growing organizations, those that are maybe having some challenges, can't maybe put their finger on what the problem is, but they know something isn't right and something needs to change. And um, you, you mentioned this whole idea of redundancy. And, you know, I might be an individual or our, you know, our listeners might be an individual that works for a company. Maybe that's, you know, they have a lot of these inefficiencies and redundancies and it causes a lot of frustration for people because a lot of times they're running around in circles or something that was supposed to be, hey, can you help me out with this this week? Now, five years later, they're still doing it. (laughs) And, And, you know, they're still doing something five years later that it has no business being in what they should be touching on a day-to-day basis. And and maybe that one small thing, it's 10% of what they do, but it sucks 80% of their energy out of them. So we have these these redundancies and you know you, what you've talked about is you know solving this problem is really by by figuring out how to build trust so mm-hmm. walk me through you know what what advice would you give to somebody who is either in this situation where they just feel like man how do i how do i bring this up you know but also what initial steps would you take from a company or an organizational perspective if they you know to maybe find some of these redundancies and reduce that waste all right so so let let's take it from the company side first and then then the individual side up okay okay so if you if if you have an organization a company um, a team that you guys realize that you spend a lot of time with rework, a lot of time with redundancy, then the first question is, is actually sit down and lay out kind of where the overlap is, right? And I mean, and you know, back back in the day, they used to call it, you know, white paper or brown paper reengineering, but it really is to, you know, you sit down with a piece of paper and 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 show the handoffs, right? I do this and then you do this and then you do this to this, right? So to get get very clear on what the different pieces pieces of redundancy are. And the question becomes, why is it there? And the and the reason why why I say so much of it is usually trust-based is because I need to check this three more times because I'm not sure the people in that last department did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And one time 40 years ago, we missed something and there was a big consequence. And so we then wrapped that wound in lots and lots of, of, of bubble wrap so that mm-hmm. we would never yeah. have the problem again. Meanwhile, the cost of redundancy has actually exceeded the cost of the error by many times. Yeah. It'd be cheaper to make a mistake right. Right. <laughs> and fix it to keep up this nonsense. So, so, so map it all out and see where their hand, those handoffs are. And then the, then the question becomes, who should own this? Who is the rightful owner of it? And hold that owner accountable for it. Now, 
it's okay to say mistakes are going to happen. We should expect mistakes because there are humans involved. And if that's the case, make sure that we have, have a well-thought-out process for fixing the mistakes if they happen, right? And particularly if, if the handoff is between departments, it may be worthwhile even, even having some type of agreement, right? We're like, we have a service-level agreement that, that we will check our things through this process before we pass it to you so that you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're one team. So that's at the organizational level, how kind of, it's a, that's a very kind of process-oriented way to handle it. Mm-hmm. If you are sitting in a seat and no one else seems to care, but you are drowning because we're doing so much work, take the initiative to go to the person that, that, that you have redundancy with and say, there's got to be an easier way because trust me, they don't want to do it either. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody's sitting around complaining, going, man, I wish somebody would fix this. So get, get together, figure out what a good way is. Is there a way that you can infuse new technology? Because I will tell you that our processes, you'd be surprised how far back some of the, the, the beginnings of our processes are. And, you know, there may be new technology that, that, that fixes all that. And it may, it may be a relatively small cost. And you can, that's going to be something that you then, you then um, present to your leadership team. But if not, just, just understand where the pieces are and then make an agreement that, okay, if you're going to do this, then I'll trust you, that I will trust it and I will do this piece. Now, if, if you're going to do that with someone in maybe another department, what I, what I definitely will ask is that you, you know, let your manager know that you had the conversation and that's the expectation. Um, and then hold people accountable for the quality that, they, that you need to come through your process. All, like, all of this would be fixed if people just were willing to say, this is where the line is. I need you to do it. And if you don't do it, there are consequences. Mm. Yeah, and and I, I at think that, that point, redundancies go away. Yeah, and I, I think that accountability piece, I mean, we, that, that is one of those, that's probably the toughest part of, of building trust within a team is having the not having that fear of what will happen if I walk up to somebody and hold them accountable to something that they agreed to. Well, it, you know, and I will say that this is probably for for um, people who love to be uh, uh, the, the types of leaders like servant leaders or well well loved leaders. You know, um, my my clients who start off as jerks they don't have this problem surprisingly. <laughs> but leaders that actually want to be nice guys mm-hmm. and girls, um, they struggle with this. But I will tell you, accountability is, is something that everybody appreciates. Now, I don't love it when it comes at me when I make a mistake. But can I tell you how happy I am when, when you hold someone else accountable or when I hold someone else accountable for something that they owe me? Because I want the stuff that comes to me to be right. And so... You know, accountability is, is one of those things that's a lot, a lot like, and I hate to, to equate it to parenting because we're, you know, we're not saying that, that employees are children, but, um, but kids feel a lot better when, when someone keeps them from eating candy all the time because they get stomach aches. Mm. It's miserable. Um, and so when you hold account, when you hold a team accountable and, and to create a culture where a team is accountable to each other. So if you think about the, the reason why, um, why why platoons work, the band of brothers in the military, they will tell you that they are accountable to each other, not not to the sergeant, not to the not to the U.S. government, not to the president who they ultimately report to, to each other at a baseline level. I cannot let my brother or sister down. 
And so uh, accountability can be a culture where I like if I have this kind of respect for for you, I'm not going to let you down. Forget what the standards say. Right. Right. It's, so, it's, so the key is to build uh, when you build trust in a culture. And I'm sorry, Tim. When, okay. when you build that kind of culture, then you can you can create that so everyone not only holds each other accountable, but then that means when a mistake does happen, and I come to you, is I recognize that it was a mistake, and not some not you being lazy or nefarious or all the other stuff that comes with it. Right. You know, uh, Megan and I, we get to work with companies as well. We you know, and we get to work with the individual leaders. And we, it, we take it down to that caring component. You know, you, you have to have care and you have to have candor, you know, and you've got to be, you know, clear with it. And so some, some people have more candor than care. It's okay for them to keep it. We just let them know that, you know, back it up, you know, when you're going to have that much candor, back it up with some care. And if you're very caring, you need to make sure you back it up with candor. You still need that clarity and specificity, but it still comes back to that. We're human beings. And our favorite thing, you know, Megan and I, we love people, you know, and, and my one word I tell people all the time is it's just people. Why do you do what you do, Tim? Well, I'm a leader, communicator, and an artist, and I love people. That's why I do what I do. And when what what's frustrating is when you are working with a business and you can see the people that drop the ball, the one question you should ask is, so do you care about the well-being of the person next to you? Do you care about their future? Do you care the fact that maybe that's a single parent with three kids and they're trying to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, but because you're dropping the ball, that in essence, you're telling them, I really don't care about you. Um, Mm -hmm. because maybe there is no wage increase for you. Maybe there is no bonus. Maybe there is no, there's not a better profit share this year because, you know, frankly, I don't care about you. So that inattention to, you know, a collective team result, that commitment to one another, that accountability, um, and that lack of actual trust right there and that care, you're actually, you know, you're the reason someone may not be able to see the things that they could see in their lives. Now, you're not ultimately the only reason, but you're contributing to a negative that they have no control over because they can't, they can't control you, you know? And that's, that's a painful place for some people. So I love how you say that, that accountability, that band of brothers. And, you know, forget the standards, forget all that other stuff. Let's just get down to people and let's care mm-hmm. about one another, right? It's true. You know, I, I, um, I had a leader I worked with and, and he was in, in Bosnia. And uh, had grown a company from from the you know, think from the garage level to to really really being on the the best places to work list in Bosnia. And he had someone that wasn't performing as well as she could have been, but she was there from the beginning. And he was so torn about accountability. How do I you know what do I do with this person who has shown me loyalty? What kind of leader would I be if, if I if I if all of a sudden I turned on this person who had, had given so much to me for so long, but at the same time, this person's not doing what they need to do to grow mm. uh, and, and, and not doing what the, what the team needs to grow. Right. And, and so really stuck in a caring, in, in a caring tornado, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, cared, he cares so much and he want a leader that cares that much. And, and what, you know, we finally had to, to land on, um, on, you know, how do you care, care for the team and the individual and what, what the right answer is for that combination. And, and that, and, and this stuff gets messy. Like this is the hard part, but you know, when we're accountable to each other, um, it does mean sometimes hard decisions about individuals. Um, but that's okay. We should let it happen, right? 
<laughs> let it happen. That's right. So our show is called Uphill Conversations. And as I said earlier, um, we say to people, you know, your current condition does not match your emerging future and anything worth having is uphill. So, and you can't go uphill with downhill habits, right? So mm-hmm. we like to use a, you know, I'm not, I'm not a cyclist, but you know, if you think about the Tour de France, these guys ride, they get a yellow jersey, you know, for winning on these hills. You know, these guys get this jersey <laughs> for that climb. So it's a challenge and it's not easy. You know, you got to shift gears. There's a lot going on. You may feel the burn. You may feel the pain. You got to create momentum. And while everything is working against you, you got to sometimes draft. You got to find someone to ride behind. Sometimes you're in the lead. Sometimes you're in the back. Sometimes you may fall off your bike. Who knows? But these things happen, right? (laughs) It's uphill. That's why we call it uphill conversations. We want you to know this about yourself, that you can do this. So with that in mind, what kind of uphill challenge have you recently gone through and how did you overcome it? Wow. So, um, like, is there any downhill sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, remember, hey, I'm from Connecticut. You're from New Jersey. So I'm used to that straight up. I like getting to it. Let's get in. I love it. (laughs) it. You know, so, so I had, you know, I had an uphill where, um, you know, so this, this is from the entrepreneur side side of it. You know, I, I, the idea of becoming an entrepreneur is so scary, right? You leave your day job, you're going to do this and get into it. And, and um, there is this leap of faith that you make. Like, okay, I can do this. And the minute you do the leap of faith and you realize that, that you will be able to eat and keep the lights on, we, we all do this collective exhale. But nobody tells you that the, it's, the entrepreneurship is hill after hill after hill. Yep. It's jump after jump after jump. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself in, in, in a space where I, um, I was completely booked. I was working, you know, I I had one major client that was wrapping me deeper and deeper into them, which is, you know, on the one side is great for job stability. On the other side, what I realized is that I had, I, I had the space of, I could be very comfortable. Now I was killing myself hours wise trying to balance this. But financially, I could be comfortable, but I was shortchanging my dream. Mm. It was more that I wanted to do. Um, but that required me walking away from, from stability, walking away from, from something that gu- would guarantee pay my mortgage and pay my assistant. Mm. You know, and, and the practical side of me is, you know, says, well, now, wait a minute can we make this work any kind of way? And, and I, and I did that for years. I, I kind of danced this dance and, and tried a million different, you know, I tried the funky chicken. I tried, <laughs> hustle, I tried every dance I could to, to make this work, to, to, to hang on to this thing that was steady and, and secure and still reach for the stars. And I just, I just found that, that I couldn't get my reach long enough. Mm. And, and so you know, you know, so much of what what haunts us in, in our decisions is is things that are, are connecting to or, or or crashing with our values. And I just sit down and say, what values am I honoring, and, and what am I, what ones am I shortchanging mm. for me to to you know to do this? And so, you know, I held my breath and and walked away, walked away from steady money, but also walked away from a client that that given given me so much um, work. I hadn't built a pipeline. Mm. So I ended that, that, the agreement on December 31st and looked at my bank account on January 1. 
and was like, wow. <laughs> You're like, who told you to do that? <laughs> huh. <laughs> now what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and, and it was. And, 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 you know, after, you know, after working for, for years, you know, you think you'd be to a certain point, but there's, but sometimes things happen. And so I, I had to sit down with myself and say, what am I going to do differently? What do I want to do differently? Right. Take, like, take this as an opportunity. And what, what values am I honoring by reaching out? And, you know, and so where, so for me, um, the, the uphill conversation that I have with myself as, as I'm doing this is if I'm not going to put my all into it, if I'm not going to step in and demand that, that I live according to, to my dreams and my values, I might as well get a job that gives me health care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, there are lots of great jobs out there. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities, and and I and I say this even to my to my clients that that are, are that are working. Right, you know what? There are like, there's plenty of basic basic jobs. You don't want to reach for for the stars. There's lots of places, lost nice soft landing places that you don't have to deal with the drama you're dealing with now. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and with that too, I mean, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, so you're, you're a business owner and you need to go to the bank and you need to get a loan. And they say, well, you personally guarantee that. And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, so, so you're telling me you want me to believe in your business, but you don't believe in it enough. Right. You know? So, so I, I'm not just, I'm thinking through that. And I'm thinking, man, yeah, that's so important. I mean, you're basically saying, okay, I believe in me. Which is so important because if you're going to convince those clients now that you have to, you're having to go out and find, you've got to believe in you and you have to have a vision and something in mind of where you're going. You, I mean, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to know exactly how you're going to get there. But, you know, you're going to say, hey, I know where I'm going I'm, and I believe in me. So I'm going to take this leap of faith. And I think it's that belief that's going to get you there. It's going to help to carry you through those tough times. It does. And, and, and even if, you know, these days we pivot all the time, right? So the idea that I have this vision, it, it, may, it could easily change tomorrow. But, but what, what, what clients respond to, what people want is not only do you have a vision, but do you have the conviction Mm. That you will follow through on your vision, and and that and that's what people are happy to see. Like they want they they want to see that you have the courage to follow through on it, that you believe that you can do it. It's mm-hmm. so good. So, uh, Tara, we've really enjoyed talking with you today. And uh, before we kind of wrap this up, I have one more question uh, that I would love to to hear from you on. So um, as you're looking forward over the next 12 months, both personally and, and professionally, what are three things that you are optimistic about? Mm. Oh, I love this question. Um, I am absolutely optimistic that I'm going to keep learning. Mm. Learning is really important to me. And, and I, um, and I try to build that in and I'm excited about all the stuff that I don't even know. I don't know yet. Um, number two, I am optimistic that my, that my vision for my business will come even clearer into sight Mm. with every step forward. I get a, I get a new clearer piece of it. And I think that's the part that people miss is that you can't stand still and plan. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sounds great and it feels fun. It feels like you're doing something, 
But if you, until you get into motion, things don't get clarity. Mm. Um, and the third thing is that I am optimistic that I can recover from any mistakes that I make. Mm. There will be some. There always are some. Mm-hmm. But but I but I, I I have faith and I know that I can I can move past it to get to to what I know I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it's so I I lo- I love that last one especially. We have we have a client um, and she she says a lot. She says if you if you don't kill anybody and if you haven't broken any laws, nothing there isn't anything that's you know it's recoverable. You can, you can bounce back from it, you know? So as long as you haven't killed anybody or broken any laws, like no mistake is too big. You know, we can, we can fix it. Those things, they can't be fixed, but we can fix pretty much anything else. So, um, well, that's, that's great. We've, like I said, we've really enjoyed having you on the show today. And I know that our listeners are just going to really enjoy hearing more about your journey and, and just your take on the world and all that wonderful stuff. So if you could, uh, just tell us where our listeners can connect with you. Where can they find you? Please, please find me. I love connecting and talking to people. So I am, I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at, and all of them are Tara Winston in some form. So that's Tara T E R R A Winston. Um, because I'm not very creative with my names. <laughs> <laughs> Always find me. Also stop by the website, which is interactions.com. And I know that, that they'll be in the show notes. Um, but please. And I, I do, I do quite a bit of public speaking. I was just, you know, last month I was at, at a at a conference with the Society of Women Engineers. Don't if if you heard me on a podcast, come up and talk to me. I love meeting people. Like I said, I love to learn. That's great. We've had fun with you. This is a ball. We should do this on a weekly basis. Let's just, hey, <laughs> hey, we're we're open to all kinds of ideas. We we go with it. We love it, and you've just been a great guest. And we, I just love your transparency and very thoughtful. I love your responses and I can tell that you live what you say. I do. That's the only way to live. And anyone who doesn't live the way they say, it's time to rethink it. Yeah, there you go. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations and we have had a wonderful conversation with Tara Winston, our guest. Always remember that you can be more, do more, and have more. Your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and not anyone else. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future, and it never will. And you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see me, Megan, and Tara on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.